Hey, ladies and gentlemen, and all folks in between uh, and around and circumventing and just generally existing. Uh, welcome to another glorious episode of Jeff Has Cool Friends. I am Jeff. I have cool friends. And my very cool friend right here is, I, I don't even know how to describe, uh, toy maker, toy designer, toy smith, toyist. I don't know. It's Corey Privatera, also known as Science Patrol. Corey, how you doing, bud? Doing good. Uh, it's very hot here in Tokyo. It's uh, about 88 degrees and I don't do well in the heat. <laughs> this is actually, this is interesting. Yeah, uh, we have a 16 hour time difference or an eight hour time difference, depending on how you want to view it. But uh, that being said, yeah, we are we are on two different hemispheres talking. You are my first uh, international recording. Uh, Sad that a, a, a white Polish kid from Buffalo is your your first Asian correspondent. I know, yeah, <laughs> Asia, I, I, Asia based correspondent. Yes, uh, right after I had Koi Fam on, uh, and then mm -hmm. um, another guy, uh, by the way, from New England, which we'll talk about because you, uh, I believe, you lived there for a while too. So we'll talk about that. What yeah. do what do I call you for your job? Uh, I go by toy designer, toy maker is. I do that as well, but a lot of people here, you have like people who are designers and then you have people who are artists and the artists are usually their former illustrators and they make stuff based on kind of their style, their actual like, illustration background, mm -hmm. uh, it's like a toy artist. Toy makers are people who have no artistic background who just make toys. It's kind of like, oh, you are just doing the, the toy part. It's like a manufacturer yeah. as opposed to More the artist. producer side. Producer also works. Okay. Because that, well, that's that, that to me was just the strange thing. Cause as I was coming up with like how to talk about you, I couldn't actually figure out what to call you, but we, we have a very weird story. Our, our, our introduction story is very strange. We met at, Diz I can't believe how we met. <laughs> it is, it's, it is to me legitimately like the wildest meeting I think I've ever had. Uh, whereas uh, it was DesignerCon, I believe it was 2018 or 2019. Yeah, it was the last one before the pandemic. So it was 2019. 2019. So it, it was DesignerCon in 2019. And I'm going to set the stage because this is just, it's it's insane. I'm walking around. Um, you know, I think I was doing some shit for Sideshow or whatever, you know, or, or visiting them or whatever. And then I went to Super 7. The Super 7 table. For those of you that don't know mm -hmm. Super 7, they've been doing a lot of those three and three quarter inch repro um, action figures that you might see. The like classics redone. And they also did a line of uh, Masters of the Universe um, cartoon accurate toys, among a million other things. They're a great, I believe, San Diego based company. If, yeah, I think I know it's somewhere in California. Yeah, I think they were based out of San Diego. But regardless, I was at the St Super 7 booth talking to the guy there and he couldn't have given a sh about me like i was like oh i love that you know this piece i you know i used for a flyer and what am i he's like i don't care and i'm like that's fair okay and then he immediately drifts to you you're standing next to me we don't know each other and he was like excuse me are you and i, I don't know if he called i don't know what name he called you by if it was science patrol yeah, i think or... it, i think it was the maker name i think it was science patrol because a lot of people they know my name but they don't use it for whatever reason i guess if you go by something on social media or whatever, I guess it makes sense. So he loses his damn mind over you. This dude is a stan. This guy read your blog, which we'll talk about, oh. right? <laughs> yeah. He, he was like a bit, and he was like losing his damn mind. And in my head, I was like, well, f me, 
I'm so happy for this guy that he found somebody that he wants to talk to. Like, I didn't take it personally. It was funny to me. Mm. I'm just like, well, f- me, right? So I just left. I just went for a walk and I was like, I'm going to let them do their thing. You know, I, I got my Skeletor or whatever. About 20 minutes later, you walk past me and I grab you out of the crowd pretty much. I mean, I kind of mm-hmm. I chase you down. I said, excuse me. Um, I was at the Super 7 booth and I watched a man lose his damn mind when he met you. You're like, what are you? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I would love to know why. Because I, seeing that reaction to somebody that I don't automatically recognize is fascinating to me. I mean, I like to interview people. I like to know about them. And you can see that there. And I asked you and you were maybe a little too, um, you were saying it like it was nothing. You were explaining what you do I, I still like it feel was like nothing. It's nothing. It was my first American show, so it was really weird that like people were so freaked out. Not freaked out, but excited about meeting me. But I still think it's nothing. Like I just think I'm a regular guy. Well, I mean, and that's actually a lot of how this interaction works, because you were very kind of mm. self-deprecating. If I can paraphrase it, you were like, well, I'm a toy designer, but I wrote this blog when I moved to Japan and it went kind of viral. A couple of people liked it. And I guess they just fall. And you were and I was like, dude, that's really cool. I was like, what a cool story. And to see somebody that loses their mind, I was like excited for you. Uh, and then you were like, well, what do you do? <laughs> and I was like, dude, I talk about Batman on a podcast and whatever. But then you listed uh, the stuff that you did and you talked about uh, Mint on Card. And the second you said Mint on Card, and uh, was it the first and whatever Friday of every month in Burbank? Yeah. <laughs> and immediately it clicked in my head. It was like, oh my God, are you Jeff May? That's <laughs> what I you said. I recognize you from podcasts. That's what you said. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like I was, <laughs> I was like, excuse me. And then, and then you did the thing to me that the other guy did. Where you were like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're here. I was looking to see if I could make it to L.A., but I'm in Anaheim and I don't have a car. And so it was like too far. And I didn't know if you guys would have any show. And and it was like this really fascinating meeting of two people where. What are the odds that I would have known you from like what I would have actually of all the people to interact with that I would have had this like tied to like oh yeah i've been listening to you for years (laughs) the funny thing is is like what are the odds of anybody doing that because it's very rare Mm. i have uh i have leaned into my independent sort of cult status and and i accept it and it's it's great it's fine and i like that um i very rarely ever get recognized so that experience was very unique to me too but like I was fascinated by you and that and so we had this like mutual immediate friendship where you were like come to my I, I have some stuff come take take some stuff and then we got there and you were like I sold all my stuff and that's <laughs> all the good stuff uh, <laughs> you gave me these um small small little guys which I still have they're they're I have I have like a a shelf of your stuff I don't know oh, uh, and I can I can angle it but if you can see where Oh, right, yeah, yeah, right yeah. there. There's like, uh, I know, no people. This is not a visual medium, but I have uh, a couple of. I have like an indie toy um, shelf um, right ab- right above my like my two. You know, it's right around my other stuff or whatever. And uh, and it's right like below the tick figure. <laughs> I I have a a tick figure right under. It's funny that you mentioned like not the three masters of the universe carded figures that are there, but the the tick figure is the thing. 
I have a, I have several tick figures actually. I have the box. I have a lot of weird stuff. But so you and I, I and I got your information. I got your contact information, and I I looked you up. And I posted this story and one of my friends, Adam Cornell, another comedian and uh, a toy collector was like, oh my God, like this guy is a master of toy making. And I believe you had worked with um, uh, Hamill uh, and I'm forgetting. Yep, uh, Nathan. Nate Hamill to make the the yeah, Porgs. Yeah, there was the Porgs and then he had another burger cat toy. I had produced two of his toys at this point. We, uh, we had met before... Uh, through actually we, we met uh, on the internet uh because he had done an event in taiwan with another friend before and i know he was trying to get back into doing some of his own designs that he like would own so that's how we ended up connecting but it was it was an amazing uh, experience and just a really bizarre like meeting. It, it was and it's one of those things where i still think about that it's probably going to be the best and I, and I, I, we are friends now. So, so that I, I don't, I certainly don't want to sort of like, uh, change the dynamic of that, but it was the, the, the greatest fan meeting. I'm not, I'm, I'm sure I'll ever have because it was so random. And because I started by being fascinated by somebody's fandom with you and wanting to know more. And now I'm a fan of yours as well, which I love being a fan of my friends. Thank you. Um, I, the whole experience was amplified by me just discovering alcoholic seltzer water too. Oh so yeah, I, yeah. I, I was a bit loud were and you, a bit. I think I did the shrieky thing. Were you white clawing your way through that? Um... It was the other one. It's uh, truly, I think, it's the cheaper white claw. Who cares? It, it, yeah. it, it gets you to the dance. It gets you to the dance. Yep. <laughs> so now um, we've stayed in, in contact for, for a couple of years now, and, and we actually sent each other packages across the across the world, across the globe. They took forever. During we sent it the week that uh, shipping had actually gotten screwed up. Yeah. I yeah. think I sent mine the week that EMS, which is our like international shipping shutdown, and you had sent it around the same time. And it's like, well, they'll get there eventually. Yeah, they took a couple of months to get across the mm -hmm. globe, which, which is fine. I mean... You know, you sent me some amazing stuff, and I wish I could know the names of them all. I'm, I'm very ignorant about your world, and it's kind of one of the reasons that I have you on, is because I want to know more about this world. Obviously, you know, when it comes to toy collecting, my stuff has always generally been licensed, the sort of like the the from a cartoon or from you know like the mm. in, indie world or the bootleg world, which I think is really cool, but I don't know anything really about it. Um, the the bootleg world really is actually like a whole other game in itself. Those right? those guys are nuts. Those resin casters, dude. I see some cool. Sh I have a I have a a, a bootleg uh, Vader that Attack Peter Peter Santa Maria gave me because he did the the card back for it. Um, oh nice! But my bootleg collection is 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 small, but like kind of. I like this stuff now. Like, and it's kind of your fault. <laughs> There's a whole world out there, man, of unlicensed uh, things that really embrace the American parody law that you're allowed to release as an independent oh, artist. Yeah, and there's, there are people like, I know one of my friends um, who I know from comedy um, got created kind of a viral um, bootleg uh, toy thing called Wicked Joyful. Um, okay. Nick Lavalley is his name, and, and I knew him from running a show in New Hampshire, and then he like... <laughs> 
all of a sudden I'm seeing his stuff going around on memes uh, everywhere. And it's like, I know that guy. <laughs> so now you are from Buffalo, lived in Boston, worked in the military where you were in the military for a little while. Like, give me, I want to give yeah. me a, a soft, give me an origin story. So I was born in Tonawanda, which is like a suburb of Buffalo. It's, buffalo it's really it's like erie canal like I, nautical town I thought buffalo was buffalo yeah you'd be surprised like all like i say buffalo because it's more identifiable yeah like like, like but, lo, do you, are you a loganberry fan yes okay because to me that's a birch beer fan well i love birch beer i mean come on i'm from new england mm. but loganberry to me because somebody told me about loganberry and i tried it and it tasted to me like i was drinking just slush puppy syrup Yep, it's sweet as hell. It's it is like Aunt Rosie's Logan Berry. Yeah, it's like drinking nectar. It's it's very aggressive. Okay, so so you're from from the Buffalo uh, yeah, area. Yeah, from Tonawanda, Buffalo area, the, the greater Buffalo area. It's just like cities on the Erie Canal, essentially. Ended up joining the military after high school uh, because I had no plan as to what I wanted to do with my life, and it's like I got four years. A little cover college and stuff. This it wasn't like a patriotism thing. It was like it was a mix of laziness and uncertainty as to what I wanted to do with my life. And yeah, I did that for ten years. Ten years. You were in the military for ten, 10 years. I say that like I wasn't a teacher for that long. So you were in the military oh, yeah. for why <laughs> why were you um why so long? So I got a really sweet gig. I initially started, I joined the National Guard uh when when I was 17, uh, so I graduated high school at 17, joined the National Guard at 17, and then had to wait uh, to ship out to basic training. After finishing basic, I ended up going active duty and then spending time. Uh, this is how I ended up in Boston. Uh, we got sent to work in Concord, Massachusetts at the Corps of Engineers building. And it was just such a sweet gig. My background in the military is I was an administrator, and then I ended up changing to be a medical uh, administrator. So instead of doing a lot of this, like the grunt stuff, I, I didn't do any field stuff other than like your standard, like yearly training and all that. We did like a stint in Germany for a very brief period of time for just like field training. But other than that, I was just a medical worker and it started off kind of rough where we didn't really know what we were doing. We started this initiative called like a CBWT, no, it used to be CBHCO, Community Based Warrior Transition Unit, and then switched to cb it was something else cbwc it was like warrior based uh community-based warrior transition unit they just changed the verbiage they, because they didn't they, like the they word. love they love acronyms in the military huh oh yeah so <laughs> it's, it's so awful. was it it seems like that was something like a transitioning for 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 soldiers to work their way into civilian life or what was the yeah so, like, because of the war, like, people were getting activated what who war? were, like, really old. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, the war that we, uh, I guess it's over now. But, yeah, like, yeah, we took our ball and went home, story. right? Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was just guys that went over there, uh, women and men, who would go over and suffer some sort of trauma that was either uh, mental health related physically and there was a couple of roads we would test i worked for a thing called the medical evaluation board and the, the physical evaluation board for walter reed we would adjudicate uh, or we prepare the the documents and do the health examinations for these people who either wanted to stay in or wanted to get out 
And our job was, and this is the mission statement of my colonel, uh, who him and I became friends somehow. <laughs> like he's just a super cool guy, but he was like a colonel, so I was terrified. He was a cool the first couple of years. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was a cool colonel, a colonel. <laughs> but uh, geez, like he had this mission statement where it's like, we will if someone comes back injured from this this conflict. We will do everything possible to make sure that they have everything they need for the rest of their lives. You will get them free health care. You will get them uh, documents stating that this was indeed tied to service. We would research and suss out injuries that possibly weren't. But 90% of the time, it was people who had uh, service-connected injuries. And a lot of these units, they wanted nothing to do with it. So the guy got injured, he went home, he's a coward, like he's weakling or whatever, like that type of mentality. And we had to like pull teeth from these units to get documents saying like these were actually sustained overseas and then do these physical evaluation boards and get these people either out of the military with adequate uh, uh, compensation, adequate disability percentages. So their lives are not ruined or find a way to train them to keep them in. There was a guy that lost his uh, right hand that we trained how to shoot with his left hands just so he could stay in and finish his retirement. I mean, I guess that makes that, that, that is good. I guess it's, it seems in a way, I mean, it's that whole, like when you think of toxic masculinity, you definitely think of the military. It's definitely one of those things where they're like, (laughs) What he wants to leave? What is he a gay guy? And you're like, what? What does that mean? Anything like that doesn't even make sense at this point in time. And I, I, it's, I guess, it's good to see that there are parts of the military that are designed to, because you know, you hear about veterans and how poorly they're treated, and it's good to see that there were people doing everything they could to improve the lives of the people that no longer wanted to be a part of this system. The crazy thing about the the different areas of the military is they're they're vastly vastly different. Mm-hmm. Infantry and artillery and MP, you have kind of that that douchebaggy masculinity stuff. The medical field, a lot of the doctors and stuff, and the nurses, they'll be nurses and doctors on the outside. And what they'll do is they'll join the military with their 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 careers already, mm-hmm. and they'll have their degree. They'll go to like a very short training period, and they'll come out as an officer. So a lot of the staff at this place uh, were, they were all military, but it was people who were kind like, of like, oh, I'm a nurse first and I'm a captain second. Yeah, so uh, there, that whole like mentality thing was really, really tempered. It was significantly nicer. These aren't the people that were tricked in a high school cafeteria, whereas oftentimes no. infantry, unfor- like that's that, that was like a big... I mean, I, I I think I've said it before, but with like the whole like the support the troops thing, it's just like it's just somebody that got tricked in the high school cafeteria, which I think should be illegal, by the way, uh, that mm. they allow military recruitment in high schools. That just seems like gross. It's so predatory. And they know exactly who to target as well, because in high school, you can kind of tell like who doesn't know what the hell they're doing. And they just they zone in on that person and just find a way to sell the whole idea to them and they'll get them to sign up for like the worst jobs oh yeah yeah no i mean people need to do those so why not fool a dumb teenager yeah i always found that to be like weird like even when i was in high school i'd be like why are they here I was like, this doesn't make sense. it's not like a like murder is not a job 
Like I was very like blown away by that as a kid, you know, or, you know, as a teen, just being like, that doesn't seem like a, like a job fair job, the military that that's a, that's a thing. But I mean, I guess if you get it at a certain point in time in a certain place, it's going to be a little bit different. So uh, it's really cool working with a lot of these guys too for their stories. Like a lot of people joined because they like either the, the patriotism thing or they like the concept of like serving your country. And then some of them were like, just oh, I I got married. I got a person pregnant really young. I needed money and I had no skills. So yeah. but you felt really bad for these kids. <laughs> There's a uh, I almost joined the military. I almost joined the Marines. Ugh in Oof. in like in like summer of 2001 huh <laughs> i was like i almost like i didn't Pre-9/11? like 911 yeah i didn't like where my life was and i was like man i should just join the marines and just go somewhere and like get away from this because pl- i was like i had just broken up with my high school sweetheart and i was just like sad so I was like, why don't I just do that? And then 9-11 happened, and I was like, oh, thank God, because I am a coward. Like, as soon dodged as 9-11 bullet, happened, I was like, yeah, I literally dodged a bullet. Because I was like, oh, I don't want to be in the military now after 9-11. That means I don't want to be in the military at all. So I really did sort of uh, dodge the both literal and metaphorical bullet in that regard. Hey, Corey, did hmm. you know that I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Jeff Mank? Yes, I do. And did I, you, I, I subscribe to your Patreon. Uh, I like that. Thank you. Uh, did you know that at the $10 uh, producer uh, level, the VIP level, that I will read your name as a producer on this show? You should oh, know yes, that. Yes, yes. Because I'm going to do that right now. So I'm going to give you the guys... The ever-growing uh, list. The ever gro- It's Well, it's capped at 100, and uh, I, I think I'm almost there. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing here. This is it's fine. But uh, so shout out to these seven bees: Lemming Malloy, Kool Aid Molotov, Superman Family Number One Eighty Four. That scene in Meet Joe Black where Brad Pitt dies. SNK's Samurai Showdown Two is really hard. I'm the law, martial law, and I hate superheroes. Mister Billy Beck. I don't care if it's women's deodorant; it works and it smells nicer. Kimball, just Kimball. Get vaccinated, you chuckleheads. The 5G lets you see sound, and then you can see your friends again. Let's go. You vaccinated, Corey? Yep, just got it uh, two days ago. Really? Was that a time yeah, it's a thing? nightmare. Was that a time thing, or is it a everybody it's, have a hard time getting it? A really hard time getting this it. This f***ing country. Oh, it's Japan. No, I know, but <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm saying in Massachusetts, <laughs> or not Massachusetts, in, in the United States, everybody that wants it has it now. Yep. And you guys have space. <laughs> oh, we got a lot of space. But you know what we're not? Tokyo. So there's that. Uh Blackagar Boltagon. Big booty boy for 2069. <laughs> you get it. Uh Russell from Jersey. Pizza, bagels, Taylor Ham. You a Jersey fan? You ever been? Uh I was at a base there. I've never actually been outside the base though. Really? So it's just little New York, right? Good. <laughs> it's like the parasite growing on new york yeah it's it's, it's yeah if, if new york had a tumor it would be jersey um sorry for you jersey jerseyites uh jerseyans jerseyks jerseyans new jerseyans oh, no, uh, no, 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 i have no idea nobody knows it's a mystery for the ages Boulder, they don't even know 
Bold and brash, more like belongs in the trash. Meth J. I don't think that's a real name. Hi, I'm Super Fudge, and welcome to Fudgemania. Did you ever read those books as a kid? Yes, and I don't, I can't remember anything about it. Was there like a TV show or a movie or something? It was like a kind of chubby kid or whatever, right? There might have been a TV show. I would have aged out of that. But I read Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing and Super Fudge all the time. I was obsessed with them. Yeah, I can't remember what it was about. I know the name, but I have no memory. It was it was about like this kid. I think Peter uh, was like the the main kid, and his little brother Fudge was like a troublemaking savant. That was like the whole thing. I don't know. Uh, Craft beers make modern Dennis the Menace. Yeah, right. Or an '80s Dennis the Menace, right? I think that's when that Mm -hmm. book was written. Craft beers make my alcoholism look like a neat hobby. Jezbutt is gonna be a dad. Shout out to Jez Butt on that one. He's going to be a dad. Oh, congrats. He has, never mind. I was going to do a very graphic description of how you make a baby, but I think we get it. <laughs> you want me to say that? You got to pay 10 bucks for it. The <laughs> Ian McClendon. L Trash Blogger Seldo. Connor Legally, legally Actionable Threat Benson. Caitlin Binney. The Bullock. An action figure of Clippy. You should make one of those. It's too hard. It seems Look like it would Microsoft be. People, man. Oh, oh, is that why? Yeah. Yeah. F- them. F- you, Bill Gates. You ain't getting. Sh- We're yeah, making... He's canceled now. We can be mean to him. Oh yeah, let's be mean to Bill Gates. I'm sure that Ooh. couldn't have negative results. Um, Don. C two E two A M Adventures. Uh, the sad free willy noise. Where's Bane? It's <laughs> a Tom and Jeff watch Batman reference. You listen to Tom and Jeff watch Batman? You ever heard that one? I haven't yet. I, I I know very little about Batman. It's okay. It's uh it's been going on for three years, so don't feel like you got to catch up real soon. It's good. I got to start from the beginning if I start. It's There's time. Be like, <laughs> There's time. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Children love the meat, Millie. Flesh, your friend. Magnolia Thunder. Oh, there it is. There's. That's a good, that's, that's good. There's a lot of bleeps in this one. The last episode, there wasn't a lot of cursing. So in this one, apparently it came back up, which, uh, look at that. The last episode, by the way, was one of my, uh, one of my producers, Koi Farm Art and Mentoring. So if you want to check out Koi Farm's Art and Mentoring, do that. Frankly Amish, Bart Fartigan, Jennifer Fendelander, the most well-prepared dead guy. I didn't kill my wife. Adrian. Kelly Stanaway, Silius Ruby, Steven, Dr. DNA, Burrito Mouth. You guys get burritos in Japan? The good ones? Yeah, but it's it's few and far in between that they're good. Oh, okay. Do you have like spot, yeah. spots where you, you get like American fare where you're like, I got to go to this place? Yep. And I live like up the street from one of them and it's fantastic. What is it? Let's give them a plug. Uh, it's... <laughs> Uh, it's El Pato over in Koenji, and it's the only place I've ever experienced in all of Japan that knows how to make actual buffalo wings. You, uh, on your Instagram, are, you're there a lot, aren't you? Yep. Because you tag <laughs> The them. owner and I are good friends. Yes, okay, because I see that on your Instagram, so that's something. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Firechild460. Lisa Harden, my co-producer on Mint on Card. We went to the Star Trek convention together last weekend. It was fun. Is it a con? We went to the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, and I'm COVID negative. 
awesome. It was, some, you know, I'll tell you what, I was nervous. Like I didn't, I, I almost canceled, but I was like, if there's one place that's going to be safe and people are going to believe in science, it's a Star oh, yeah. Trek convention. Yeah, it's Star Trek convention. I was like, there's no <laughs> convention that's going to be like, unless it was a medical convention. Like, there was mm-hmm. going to be nothing that was going to be that good. Uh, Huey Freeman, Taurus Bulba, Mind Freak 555. Cody Beck Jr. at Gavin underscore not with two T's. Jessica Robertson, Captain Fat Strong, Gregarious Gregorio, the AV Foundry, Domo Arigato, Andrew Roboto. Domo, Domo. Jeff hates competitive fun. Oh, that's not true. That's, oh, I get it. They're saying you hate sports, man. I can't believe they're saying I don't even like sports. You liars. Gray Man of the Fireside Chronicles, Ricky Cilantro, at Nerd Numbers, Mackenzie Chill, Willem Dafoe's Baffling Big Bonanza, Dan Hackroyd, Murph the Murph. Show me in the rules where it says a dog can't play basketball. Russell Richardson, the Sasbitch Stand, Sophia Hapgood's Psychic Services, the Ghost of Dave Thomas, Shebrew Sleeps, Norm from Cheers, Vorda Spin, Normal Man Andrew McGuire, Jolly Buckaroo, Dill Havarti, my favorite cheese, uh, and Exploding Runes. And so if you are interested in being a VIP member at the Patreon, patreon.com slash Jeff May, feel free to do that. If not, that's okay. I'm okay with it either way. I'm not offended. I always get like sometimes people cancel their memberships and I'm sure it's just like a money thing or whatever. They're going to cut back. I take it personally every time I'm lying. When I say I don't take it personally, if I see somebody cancel their thing, I'm like, what did I do wrong? And how can I fix it? I'm very, do you get like a notification. Or, I don't know how Patreon I do. works. I do. I get notifications. Uh, when people, when people cancel, the biggest problem is when somebody cancels their $10 account and I have to message them and be like, Hey, what what name did you use? I gotta cross it off my list, and that just seems petty. Oh. It's petty, yeah, but I, I have to. So different. Yeah, so like no nobody's using their real name, so it's just like, <sighs> all right. You don't think the ghost of Dave Thomas is actually supporting the Patreon? He might. He might be a fan of the show. Although I'm not a Wendy's fan. No one is. I think a lot of people are. I think their Twitter really saved them. Oh yeah, they then in the Arby's had like a big like corporates like we're cool now thing wendy's is like i i would say wendy's is probably like the there are there are a couple of corporate accounts that are like the ones that that really like i remember moon pie uh like (laughs) moon pie social media and and they were they like came out of nowhere and i bought moon pies because of their twitter so that works um that that worked for them good for them um steakum steakum is like super progressive like the guy, the guy, whoever, whoever oh. runs Steakum, and I said the guy, that's not correct. Could be a woman. Uh, very progressive. Uh, and uh, DiGiorno, I think the DiGiorno guy. And then the Arby's guy the used pizza. to do a bunch of like, um, like um, cutouts and like. Yeah, the cardboard paper craft. Yeah. Stuff. And was... it got really weird, like not weird, but like really specific, specific, like uh, I'm a big anime and He's video a... game fan. And they were acknowledging really obscure titles that were coming out where it's like, this is a very specific type. Yeah, of nerd. you could tell it was Arby's a... more, but I appreciated it. It was a clear like that person is a clear anime dork. And I'd mm-hmm. see it and be like, oh, that's an interesting choice to, to make in this. Like, looks cool, though. So, OK, so you there there are interviews where you talk about why you moved to japan i've read them 
So I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't need to like say, you know, tell me the whole process, but like, what was the, I just want to know what, like what the thought behind why you chose to move to Japan was. Half of it is uh, purely my desire to make toys and try having a career here uh, in, in Japan specifically before I turned 30. I think I was 28 when I moved here. And the other half of it is I just was so bored of my job. I was working at Children's Hospital at the, the, the time. Boring. Ugh. It's, it, it's not that it was bo- that part's fine, but it was just all the red tape that comes with insurances and people having to get care. And it's really draining. Like it, it, it sucks. Like these people who legitimately, like they need these services, they need these specialists, but oh, you have. Uh, like a really low tier insurance you can't use our expensive hospital and like there's workarounds like the hospital this you'd see the staff and the doctors like bending over backwards to help these people but the insurance companies they just they they don't want to play ball and it sucks so it was just kind of draining to do that for i did it for a little over a year as a transition between the military and this and then one day i was just like hey like I think I'm going to try and do this career thing I've always wanted to do. Like, thanks for the opportunity. It was fantastic. And then just ghosted. And was that toys? Was that the career that you wanted to do? Or was that like a, you'll figure it out. So we have very similar stories in that regard then where you're just like, I'm going to move far away. I'm going to move far away to pursue something that I'm interested in. Yeah. Leaving a a solid career to pursue something. (laughs) Leaving a solid career in Massachusetts Mm -hmm. to uh, pursue something. I mean, the similarities are not lost on me. So you get to Japan. What do you think? Uh, I had been uh, several times before. I always loved Japan, but there's something that I always forgot about hearing that I didn't expect to encounter uh, because I never knew I was going to be living here. And that's like the weird racism that comes with getting like apartments and like actually setting up like your living situation there. Really? It's it's hard. So so, what, <laughs> like, but you can't just gloss over that. Tell me tell me more about that. So there is here a foreigner is anyone who isn't Japanese. It's a really homogenous culture here. And I used to teach Japanese places. history. That's that's uh, rooted in very very um, long term thought too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like their his their whole thing is just them being like just Japanese yeah, just, having like just these little communities pop up eventually, but just these tiny little enclaves of non-Japanese. Yeah. But uh so it came here and the the issue with the foreigner thing is like a foreigner is anyone from anywhere mm-hmm. that isn't Japanese. Even like China, Korea, Taiwan, anyone who isn't Japanese, you're a foreigner. And a lot of rental places, it's it's as illegal to say we don't rent to foreigners here. Uh, as it is to not hire someone in the States because they were Middle Eastern or Black or Asian. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the same level of, like, protection, but just like in the States, there's a lot of scumbags that still do it. Yeah. And Well, they don't have to tell you why they didn't give it to you, yeah. Uh, Places will, you'll call an apartment. I I remember looking up apartments and calling the realtors, and they're like, "Uh, actually, that uh, company doesn't work with foreigners. And it's not a language thing. It's straight up, they don't want to do with foreigners. Because I guess after the earthquake as well, a lot of foreigners just vanished because they were so freaked out by the massive earthquake. 
that they broke their leases, they didn't pay stuff, they just vanished. So that also reinforced the, hey, well, you know, we're a bunch of old people who are kind of racist against like people who are different from us living in our like place in the buildings that we own. And now, oh, we have another reason to hate them. They don't pay their bills because they just vanish when like a natural disaster happens. Which so is it took not uncommon to in Japan. Place. Yeah, every it's been pretty good recently. We haven't had too many, but there was a period of time in the spring where every other day was an earthquake. Yeah, in California, they they ha- they don't happen as often as people think. My mom thinks there's an earthquake every day. Or are, are you okay? I saw a three point eight magnitude earthquake. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Shook us up a little bit. I I don't think I've ever seen an earthquake in California. I've never experienced one personally. Is it how hard did they hit? Like depends. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're not nothing, but for the most part, they're whatever. I'd rather deal with a, a like a medium earthquake once in a while than a blizzard ever. I miss the snow, man. I do. <laughs> I miss the snow so bad. I mean, you're in Japan. You could access the snow. Yeah, but then you got to go to it. Like, you know, in America, I could drive up to Canada and go to the tundra. It's it, like Nagano is all snow. That's, but, uh, yeah. But, yeah, the, the apartment thing is just a mess. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Rentals, because it's just these people that don't want to deal with foreigners. And they'll use the dumbest excuses. Well, you might, a foreigner is not going to understand how the garbage system works here. Oh, a foreigner is not going to understand, like, that you're not allowed to, like, scream and play electric guitar at 11 at night. Like, these are things I had to sign in my lease agreement the first place I got was, oh, you're not allowed to do, like, one of the things that's in a lot of the Japanese uh, apartment contracts is you can't do karaoke in your house at night. And because a lot of people have, like, home karaoke. It's, it's terribly it's popular there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I had to sign a thing saying that instead of having the three-strike policy, if I f*** up once, you can kick me out just because I was so desperate to have a place to live. And it was everything was fine. The girl who lived above me actually uh, had flooded her house and flooded my closet the second week I was there. So I was golden. <laughs> my God. Yeah, I wasn't the troublemaker at that point. No, you did great. Um, okay, so now you've been in Japan now for how long? Uh, eight years. So you've been here there for eight years. And you speak Japanese now? I speak a bit. My particular language skills are really honed in on my career, like mm-hmm. how to do layouts for molds, how to set up the actual jointing systems for toys, ordering materials and that type of stuff. I can do normal conversation, but my word bank is a bit limited. I can talk about really strange things for long periods of time, but basic like if I went to like the gov- the, the ward uh, city office, that type of although the terminology they use i don't really know all of it yet oh fair enough do you go to the like the embassy for your uh passport stuff and everything uh for passport renewals it's the embassy but for my visa actually because i had to set up a company here to live here i have a a lawyer that does all my renewal stuff so i just go to this guy (laughs) oh that must be awesome (laughs) so um so now do you are you are you a weeb I no, guess that's the I was, question I was that never I... A I was just really into anime and games. We, so a weeaboo is the rejection of Western culture saying that Japan is superior. Okay. And you hate Japan. And yeah. I, yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I just, I, I could never, I, there's too many things I love about the West. And it's also like, it's a really weird way to think. It's like those, those dudes that like, and you see more dudes than you see, uh, 
women doing this where they just act like they're an anime character like those in the west you guys have those really crazy people those toxic bags that like their whole personality is like the joker or rick from rick and morty or something like that it's that with anime characters it's like your ultimate weeaboo guy (laughs) so do you get a lot of neck beards out there like the tourists that would come out like do you see a lot of fedoras uh, you see some fedoras, but the most embarrassing thing you see is people lightly cosplaying. So you'll see like people who are like just tour, like on vacation or whatever, back when you could have tourists, and they'd be wearing like, you know, there's an anime One Piece about a pirate. Yes, it's got the guy and, with like, the straw hat and the red shirt. Yeah, and they'll be wearing like a red like shirt thing, like a little red vest and a straw hat over their outfit. Or like a Goku, like Super Saiyan, like one of those really gross foam wigs. And it's just, you immediately turn around when you see that. <laughs> My God. Like, because I've got to, I'm guessing that you might in a way be sort of like a beacon to other gaijin. Um, yep. they, like that they see sees. you and they see yeah. your, you know, you've got sleeve tats and you're a, a blonde white guy and they're like, this is my people and you're like please don't talk to me a lot of people a lot of like other foreigners will avoid foreigners here because you never know how awkward or especially in japan how weirdly like creepy or misogynistic the other foreigner is gonna be there's a lot of bags here i encountered way more shitbag foreigners in japan than i ever did in the military really like people that come over here, a uh, most common job for a person that uh, wants to do Japan or a lot of Asia is an uh, English teacher. Yeah. And you really don't need a lot of credentials. You need like a bachelor's degree and anything beyond that is just a plus. And a lot of those people, some of them are really nice. They're just, they needed a leg into Japan. They're studying Japanese or they legitimately like education. And some of them are like, oh, I came here to get me one of them subservient Japanese women. They're, they're sex tourists, like, basically. They they suck. They are the worst kind of person. Yeah, guys that are fetishizing an entire country are bad. Weird. And they hang out in these enclaves, and you can never tell who it's gonna be because you would assume it's like, you know, the kind of looking guy who looks like he's only here to like pull up. Yeah, but there's weebs like there's straight up like big old like not airbrush t-shirt but one step from that type of weeaboos who are like oh people in my you know, in america they, they don't understand me they don't get me japan i'm gonna fit in japan you know a country that's famous for its collectivist culture yeah i would say living in japan like moving to japan to like pull has got to be like the saddest thing like I'm, like these, like that motion, it, that movement to move across the entire world just because you'd be like, maybe women would like me there. I'm tall. And it's, and it's like the subreddits are really poisonous for it. Like oh. the Japan life one and stuff. You'll see people who are like, oh, I met a girl in a bar and I, I need to, to move here because I think she's the one. And it's like, <laughs> but then you see all this other stuff where you, you go through their post history and it's like, uh, they were asking about like you know how to basically do PUA stuff like the pickup artist stuff like really? earlier. That is yeah, that's gross. It's that's really gross. gross. Yeah, I mean that's got to be fun to be there and to see that happening. Are you? Do you sort of s- stick out like a sore thumb out there still, or or have you been sort of like what's the percentage of people th- that are American, for example, that live out there? 
It's like one percent of the population is okay. foreign, I believe. But it's in Tokyo. Like if you go to the outskirts, you go to like Shizuoka. It's like maybe an hour from Tokyo. It's mm-hmm. kind of a. It's a. It's a city. It's actually uh, Japanese for Silent Hill. Oh great! Funny. But uh, yeah, less less ghosts. But uh, they you will see less foreigners than Tokyo. Tokyo, it's just so compacted. Mm-hmm. It's like if New York City was an entire yeah, like it's, it's a city. Jeez, it's it was, it, New York City was an entire state essentially. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you are going to get the most diversity in a city. Um, mm-hmm. But do you, like so aside from that, because I I was wondering about this, and I know obviously people are probably going to want me to talk more about the toy stuff, and I I plan on it. That's on the docket. But I'm actually very fascinated about this because, like, I've thought about like, oh, Japan would be cool to go to, uh, and I'm not sure I would fit in a lot of things in Japan. Like, I'm not. Well, there's a little bit of ducking and stuff, especially yeah. in some of the older buildings. But yeah, you'll be you'll be fine. The yeah. bed, you'll find the beds in a lot of the business hotels to be incredibly small. Yeah, that's a thing. Like, like comically small. Yeah, like I don't know if that would work for me. You know, I gotta sleep. I gotta sleep on a thing. I gotta. I gotta sleep. I gotta fit on a bed. I tried sleeping on a full size bed one time, and my feet literally hung off the end. And I was like, "This is some." Okay. Sh- size that they have at a lot of business hotels the can't, full size. can't do it man i need a queen at minimum minimum queen that's what they call me it's been gulliver gulliver's travels here with the, yeah gulliver the travels to tokyo um is uh so i was wondering is like um american uh pop culture readily available there i mean i know obviously streaming stuff is but like I feel like such a rube asking these questions, but I feel like they're questions that aren't necessarily asked. No, it's a, it's a legitimate question. Like, uh, academically. Like American comic stuff really took off, like uh, specifically for pop culture, like comics and movies, the Marvel movies really pushed the Marvel stuff back into the forefront of just it being more accessible. Like there's Japanese collaborations, like the company Takura Tomi does stuff with the, uh, marvel and does stuff with disney for uh well i guess it's all disney now yeah but for like star wars before it was like kind of rare it was mainly american import stuff and there was a lot of japanese bootleg stuff there's actually uh, there's a lot of old model kits there's a an event called wonder festival where you can do like licensed model kits for a day but you can't get the star wars license so people would just make their own and give it a different name i read that what two things one i read that in an interview with you that you were talking about that that one day licensing thing which i thought was really interesting but then didn't you recently receive like a a bootleg vader or something like that oh so that's actually that toy is from a tokusatsu series tokusatsu is like japanese special effects shows like power rangers and mass rider okay yeah uh and and godzilla too like any almost any of the the old toho like man in a suit stuff it's all like it's called tokusatsu yeah yeah the the toei spider-man is like tokusatsu (laughs) but uh the it's a robot monster from this show called Mega Beast Investigator Justbian, where he's his name's Satan Goth, and he's made of all the negative energy in the universe, and he just goes around making these giant kaiju go insane. But he just looks just like Darth Vader. They like, clearly just took Darth Vader. Yeah, like upsettingly Darth Vader-ry. Um, I want to say his sword glows red too. Like it's just. Yeah, a blatant ripoff. 
one of my funniest uh, things is the because you did post something uh, basically earlier today or yesterday for you about that. And there's and you were just like, all orders have been shipped. And then um, David Mandel, the executive producer of Veep and like the a writer for Curb and Seinfeld and was like, is it too late to order? Is it, can I can I order? And I was when I saw that, I was like, that is a weird thing to see on that like you have you have some some interesting fans it's uh, people love toys like especially weird stuff and uh recently i've been getting into licenses so like an ultraman's kind of like getting popular in the west so i was I'm gonna doing a lot of ultraman license stuff marvel got the ultraman license um yep, which well, the, is, com- the comics are marvel right yes um and uh i was wondering because i was going to ask you about that if you had collected when when you were younger and when i was younger like i know bandai used to do the like the the soft vinyl ultraman figures and godzilla figures did you did you collect any of those as a kid yeah i used to uh i wasn't never a big godzilla guy i really like hedora who's like the big like smog guy yeah the smog monster right yeah he's he's cool he just looks like a big pile of melting green stuff but uh ultraman they have the most bizarre monster designs and i would just buy every single one that came out in the states because they would import them there was a place called i think kimono my house in california Mm -hmm. it used to be like a japanese toy shop and i would email them and they would send me a list like hey we got these ones in you want us to invoice you and send them it turns so like the guy that used to work there is now one of my best friends here he's another toy maker really yeah, I I think he worked there maybe towards the his, his exit from uh, that job might have been around the time I started buying these things from them. Uh, but yeah, same guy. It was super insane, like it being the same person. Because <laughs> I remember I had a friend that used to collect those when we were in middle school, like real, like young, young. So we're talking like early nineties. Uh, or more like mid nineties, but um, that's back when they were, I think still made in Japan. They, yes. I think they were made in Japan until like the mid nineties or maybe early nineties. And then they switched to China. It was like 90, 92 to 95 or whatever. I remember. And I didn't, I mean, I watched the shows and I, and I, I liked the designs, but like for me, toys were something posable and playable. And these were more like models. Yeah. to me at the time they're like, um, they're like glorified statues yeah um and like now that i and like by the way they're worth like a ton now like a lot of those th- like the ones from the early 90s because i've i've seen them ones that i'm like oh i remember ryan had that and it's like yeah that's 175 dollars and you're like oh there do- are some of them like the 70s that are worth like six grand oh i would think so i mean when you look even at- if it's busted when you look at two like the the Shogun Warriors and their popularity in the seventies, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Came, machine there, you know, and yeah, machine there, and and yeah. uh, and and packing Godzilla and Rodan in to give them something to combat was very interesting. Mm. You know, Godzilla's popularity in America is pretty much due to cable television. Oh yeah, they would play a lot of those creature feature things, right? They, well, because in the seventies, there they had all of a sudden you had all these channels and they didn't have enough to put on them. And so they were buying the Godzilla films, which there had already been plenty, and they would eat up a big chunk of time. You know, one Godzilla movie that would take up, what, three hours 
of of blocking and you get it for pennies on the dollar. So on weekends, like Godzilla movies and Kung Fu movies used to just play through the 70s, just on all cables. So that's what became super popular. It's fascinating. It's so weird watching any of those Godzilla movies now because I remember as a kid, like I would always beg my mom, like, oh, I, I want to see Destroy All Monsters. I want to see Godzilla versus Hedera. And then you'd watch it, and it's like 10 minutes of actual like creature footage, and the rest of it is like political intrigue that I could not give a shit about. It, you know, it's funny though, because the like the new movies a lot of people there was this thing where people were like do you really want just monsters fighting and people are like yes and i'm like you don't like you really you if you don't give something to latch on to it's not going to be as good as you think it is like mm. a two-hour movie that's just godzilla versus king kong and no human weight to it whatsoever is not going to be what you think it is which is why i, I was there's not- a really is that, is that the Kong uh, Godzilla one? Well, Godzilla, I mean, Godzilla, I just referenced Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, okay. but, you know, there's King of the Monsters, right? Godzilla King, that was the second one. And then Godzilla was the first one, right? Is is the, because you saw Kong Godzilla, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Is it mainly just them beating the shit out of each other? Or is no. there like... Oh, they get okay. weird with it. They get 70s with it. They do oh, like, really? they do Hollow Earth shit. It's It's, Wait, it's <laughs> wild, yeah. Definitely. Is it full of Nazis or aliens? You you see it. Just see it. You should see it. How you? Is there a reason you haven't seen it yet? Uh, I've been apprehensive about going to theaters because I hadn't gotten my shot. And the first, uh, you have a bit of protection with the first one, and then you're fully protected after the second one within reason. So we saw Suicide Squad after getting poked. I um, it just occurred to me that you might not have access to HBO Max. Which is where Godzilla nah. vs. Kong premiered. I just realized I was like, oh, yeah, they might not have that in Japan. Uh, I don't know what the I don't know what the rules are. It has Hollow Earth stuff in it? Yeah. Oh, this sounds awesome. It's pretty awesome. It's fun. It's really fun. I I like. I did not like the one. Um, the the second one, the one with Ghidorah. Um. I, I was not a huge fan of it. I didn't think the story was particularly good. And it was a lot of just monsters crashing into each other. And also that seemed like it seemed like a DC movie because they were trying to hurry up and get the big bad already. You know, like, you know, when, when it took mm-hmm. it took Marvel, what, four years for the Avengers to like build and then yeah, but it took it was it was nice. It was like a really slow a, tease forever. And then DC, and then Avengers was like the biggest movie ever. And then DC's like, well, let's do that now. And they're like, well, maybe pace yourself a little bit. And they're like, no. And so by putting Ghidorah in this in like the sequel, I was like, I don't know, man. I feel like he should be held on to. You should wait for him. Yeah, he's kind of a like a final boss guy for that original arc of because he comes back as like Mecha Ghidorah and yeah. stuff. Well, he's like a Thanos. Like, he, he's like the he's, Than- he's the Thanos of the Godzilla universe. For those that don't know, Ghidorah is the three-headed like dragon, uh, also known as Monster X, uh, from space, and um, he is kind of the Thanos of of the Godzilla universe. So by adding him immediately into that canon, when you could have done mothra and rodan and and um gamera all these different characters and instead they're just like here's the one you've been waiting for i feel like they could have waited 
Yeah, they jumped the gun. It, yeah, it is, it is just like the Justice League thing where it's like, oh, second movie, Justice League. Yeah, and <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Movie. Wonder Woman had a movie at that point. Yeah, well, because they, they did Batman. They did Superman. Man, they did Man of Steel. Then they did Batman versus Superman where they threw Wonder Woman in it too. Mm-mm. And and then they did, you know, one. And it, but it just came so fast. And they weren't unearned. and they weren't good. No, uh, you were asking about the pop culture stuff here for the West. Yes. Uh, so, so you, it's, like speaking of the comics, like it really got pushed uh, to be more popular because of those movies. But there's American comic shops. You can't go to a normal shop, like a normal like bookshop here and get American be, comics. No, because it would be you all to to manga, right? Shop. Yeah, because I'm assuming yeah, it's all, it would it's all be, manga and light novels. I'm, I would assume it would be it has to be imported the comics at that they had point. distributors i don't know what the yeah. printing system is but they had distributors oh, yeah. that do them just for japan uh we we have uh i, I want to say we have D- the diamond catalogs here well they just lost uh diamond just lost oh. a lot of the marketing i mean a lot of their distribution rights um so Oof. that's oh but um are they um so do they do the western comics with um japanese uh word balloons or is it all just like an american version of all it. the ones i've seen are just with english oh well that's pretty cool and then with like you'll the find uh, a lot of the the fans here will uh who are really really into those like oh i follow spider-man in real time or whatever they speak a bit of english where they can like read it and understand it but it's also you you see spider-man punch electro you don't need to know what he's saying you know spider-man's beating up electro yeah but you find weird like just tiny little shops like none of these uh american comic places are big they're all really small like independent retailers who are like in uh we actually have one in my town and there's one over in akihabara called blister uh, akihabara is like the big nerd like electronics mecca of tokyo okay. and it's just that stuff they'll have the action figures they'll have like mcfarland type figures they'll have like all the uh, what are those called? Like the the newer Marvel ones and the DC ones that come with like pieces the of legends. other figures and be buy them. Marvel yeah, Legends, the Legends yeah. series. Grossly, uh, grossly inflated for import costs, but they'll have all that stuff and people buy it. Like people legitimately get excited about it, and it's it's cool because you'll encounter people who have some of the same. While while I was watching like Evangelion and I was playing Final Fantasy, like these folks were really into superman and we're watching static x trying to see like what was going on oh sta- and static so often, um static static shock static shock oh my I god was like, static, static x, x is a metal is a, band, a band. <laughs> they're like a metal to static new metal shock. band right yep, funny yep. <laughs> story about that the first time i ever ran a mile without stopping i was listening to the cassette single of push it by static x Oh man, the cassette. So I, well, it, it was the only reason it, I had to get a cassette. I I had to seek them out. They weren't readily available, but um, mm. it was uh, around um, the year two thousand. It was like the okay. end of the year two thousand, and um, I couldn't run with a CD player at the time. Oh yeah, because they skip like crazy. Yeah, I couldn't do that, and I don't exactly run like a graceful swan. I'm more like a stumbling goose, just screaming and dying. <laughs> Um, all right, I want to talk, I want to shift to like the sort of like what you're known for, which is the toys and, and you got into the, like, w- what steered you into getting into this world? I was a collector of toys initially starting with the Bandai Ultra Monster stuff. 
and then realizing because that's all licensed mass produced mm -hmm. that's just standard uh the term is soft v or soft v it's just the uh, shortening of the word soft vinyl or in Japanese soft gobino. So it'd be soft booby. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just soft vinyl toys. I was into them because the designs are really unique. Again, starting with the Ultraman stuff and even like Hedora and uh, like Ro uh, Robo, oh, I guess the name of that series, Robopon or Robocon. I think Robocon. They had like a bunch of weird like just characters and, uh, you know, Newberry Comics, right? In uh, Boston. Oh, yeah. For a wicked good uh, time. They They had some of them. Oh yeah, for a wicked good time. They had some of them, and I was getting turned on to these designs I had never seen, and became obsessed. With like, oh, how weird did these get? And then discovered through eBay of all places, uh, independent made soft vinyl, and a maker named Morty Katsura who ran a company called Realhead. He actually, uh, this is a visual. I know it's an audio format, but uh, this tattoo here, this okay. uh, lucky so cat. It's a cat. It's one eye. It's a one-eyed cat, like that you often see in those um, the Asian import shops. The gold. I call him the yeah. arm wrestling cat because he's doing like the wave, <laughs> but it looks like he's kind of arm wrestling. So he made a, a soft final toy of that with one eye, mm -hmm. and it's something so simple. It was red and had really good paint, and I just became obsessed with it bought it on ebay it was like i think 50 bucks and i'm like oh man this is kind of expensive uh now they're like worth 400 500 but that was led me down the path of like well this isn't made by bandai this isn't made by tomi this is some guy i've never heard of what's real head and you couldn't find anything on it because he didn't really have social media he didn't have a computer at that time he was like kind of a luddite for a while now he's like a social media like expert because he's like in especially in asia and america he's like this beloved toy maker mm -hmm. so i ended up finding a forum called skull brain which is like a western forum uh for people who collect japanese toys and i found threads on oh real head what else do they make oh they have all these amazing toys that are like heavily inspired by ninja turtles and common rider and star wars like really, really cool designs. Mm -hmm. Ended up uh, sussing out like the stuff I wanted his, trying to get it. And then I saw, oh, well, who's, uh, what's Secret Base? What's Amapro? What's uh, like all these other Japanese toy makers? And it's like, wait a minute, these guys are all independent toy makers. They're not all working together. They're all these like separate uh, makers. Like, mm -hmm. And through them, you see their circle of friends, almost kind of like a web ring, like where like their websites would have links to other toy makers or like blogs or magazines. And I just discovered this world I never knew existed of independent makers making their own stuff. And then I researched how to do it and just became obsessed with, well, I have ideas. I want to see how to make this stuff. Well, it's funny, too, because um, Valerie Tossi, who was my partner, her cousin is a guy named Matt Doty. And they, they're a company oh, called Onel Design. Oh, no. <laughs> so uh, so it was like, you know, my partner's cousin was making these things as well. And so I'm at DesignerCon meeting, you know, a family member, uh, you know, of a, a girl I'm dating. And then, you know, it's, so it's this weird world um, that is super tight. Like, you knew him. Just You just know I him. knew him because he worked with Realhead. So there you he, go. So not... Not only was, it, was the Onel stuff popular here because it's like highly playable, highly customizable action figures, uh, 
he also like his company had collaborated with my favorite toy maker to make a soft V version of one of their uh, their characters, one of their uh, Glios guys. Oh, so I have I have the Glios. I have some Glios uh, over here, and like I have one that's on the card still, uh, and then I have a a Wolverine that I'm holding up to the camera oh, awesome. to, to show that's still in the bag. I didn't want to open it out of the bag because I thought it was just so cool. Um, so that, and they're from like Acton or something, right? Yeah. It's Massachusetts. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. So it's, but it's such a weird and tight community where it seems like everybody knows each other, which is why designer con I thought was really fascinating because it really had an even tighter knit group than like a comic con that I had been to before. Like everybody was super supportive of each other, which I thought was really there's cool. A, there's a weird camaraderie with the toy thing. Like obviously there's people that have issues with each other because they think they're ripping off their designs or you're fighting for like the same consumer base for a lot of like, oh, I make, if you make horror themed stuff or if you make kind of gross like monster toys, like maybe you're fighting for the same customers as like another guy. But so many of the makers are so different that we all kind of exist in the same space. My customers are not the same as, uh, or fans, fans and customers, uh, the same as like another maker. So we exist in the same world and we're not fighting for territory. Mm -hmm. And th that's kind of nice. Like, I, I think, especially when it comes to like artists, <clears throat> there's a lot of just unpredictability as to what they get hung up on or if they're upset about yeah. like, Oh, well I was doing it six months before you, I should be mad that you're like hopping on this bandwagon of making stuff or the opposite with it where they, they join late, but Oh, uh, I I'm making stuff after you, but I, I have a background in doing sculptures so i have more it's almost like a right thing like oh i have more of a right to be making these things and there, there are some people like that yeah that's because just of the lack of people the, yeah the lack of events uh the pandemic has kind of called some of those people they're, now, they're not dead they're just they, they haven't been able to sell stuff they just kind of fell into obscurity because they, they never really cared about it they never built like an online following in the same way that one could because i mean not for nothing but you know, I, when I was working at Sideshow over the pandemic, they had their best year ever because people had money to spend. Like it was, and they wanted a tiny little statue to be hanging out in their house because they were lonely. Yeah. So they were like, I need a, I need Jean Grey. I need Jean Grey. Who among us does? <laughs> but that being said, when we talk about that world and everything, and, and was the pandemic harder for you for what you do or was it almost easier to streamline your life a little bit? It was harder because of the unpredictability of shipping. Yeah. Uh, being able to get stuff to customers was one of the hardest. Uh, the canceling of shows, because doing shows, the big thing here, uh, for the longest time, Japan had a, Japan is a massive physical media world, like CDs. We still have Tower Records here. Uh, CDs are still big. Uh, magazines like hundreds of magazines every month. Some of them, like the gaming magazines, every week. Uh, it's just a huge physical media thing. J uh, Japanese uh, customers like to physically have a thing. They like to touch it and see it before they buy it. Uh, when they do pre-orders for toys, uh, you know, like a in the States will usually post like a photo of the statue or a photo of the toy. Mm -hmm. In Japanese shops, like you know where to go. Like you can see, oh, like several shops will have it on display. They want to see it before they buy it. 
and even at shows they'll they pick up and look at the thing to make sure like oh this is what i want to buy so That's online shopping wrong. is kind of like yeah it, it's smart like you because you, know, you won't be disappointed yeah but uh, online shopping uh was not nearly as big it's big now but it wasn't as big in the early 2000s and then mid when i started when i ended up um, moving here for the first time and the shows like physically going to the shows and meeting the the customers and the fans was a important because you want to know your base and they like they bring you gifts and stuff and everyone just likes talking like yeah we just had a show last week and everyone was telling me about like there's a movie called psycho gore man oh like yeah yeah everybody it's really loves similar it. to japanese movies like yeah. the tokusatsu like costume stuff and a bunch it's it's playing here now finally and a bunch of the fans were telling me like hey i just saw this this canadian film like i want to tell you about it like oh so american people like tokusatsu or like not american well western people like tokusatsu that much they Some like do. that type of like like Planet of the Apes, like those yeah. costumes. Oh, yeah. And well, you know, Adam Todd Brown is the one that told me to watch um, Psycho Gorman. Um, it's awesome. He loved it. And it's funny because, and then uh, both former guests of, of Jeff Has Cool Friends, Adam Todd Brown told me to watch Psycho Gorman, and Dana Gould uh, keeps telling me to watch the old uh, Planet of the Apes. He's Dr. Zayas in the, the YouTube series. Have you watched it? Hanging with Doctor Z. I've seen. I follow the uh, the Instagram posts, and then I, I've seen some of the interview things on YouTube. But I, I also didn't realize until you interviewed him that he was Gex. He's Gex. Isn't that wild? I had no idea. Dude, after that episode, so many people tweeted at us, being like, "I think you guys can do a Gex." Like a lot of people want Gex back, um, which is wild. It's, that is wild. Yeah, but uh, this isn't about him. Um, okay. So how much of your business is, um, is based, uh, locally with, um, orders? So pre pandemic, it was like 70% was local shows. There was a show every other month and like, inter like shipping within Japan and the rest of it, like the West would kind of get like certain exclusives and then they would get like the leftovers from those shows if there were any mm -hmm. post pandemic, uh, it's gone completely the other way. Like it's, 70% is online and then because we yeah. just haven't had shows. We just saw uh, Wonder Festival that licensed one that was going to be in yeah. 30 days just got canceled. So, um I'm looking at your website sciencepatrol.storeenvy.com. Uh and I am on there right now and I'm looking at what you have available for sale and it is all Nothing. sold out. <laughs> it's you have one thing left. Uh, two things. You have uh, micro um, shako kitachi. I don't know mm -hmm. if I said that properly. Um, and I believe I have a couple of those, right? I think I sent yeah. you some in that box. And I, I think they, I got the sculpt at Decon and then I finished yeah. them over uh, afterwards. And a Blitzkrieg Toys tombstone set. You so you listed. Yeah, that's not even me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, you listed you listed a lot of stuff, and you do not. It's it's it sells out. How fast does this stuff sell out? Because you have this thing called Cranston, which is essentially what looks like a McDonald's cheeseburger with eyes. It's literally the McDonald's cheeseburger from the chair from the eighties, and I just made a smaller version of it because they're not licensed here, uh -huh. so I can kind of sell them without repercussions here. Um, which is cool. <laughs> it's what I was like. I want one. Um, and they were, oh, I'll, I'll totally send you one. I, I, it's hard to keep them in stock because they're so popular. We I just, will... I put up 
50 and they sold out in like a minute and 30 seconds. That's what I was going to say. Like I was going to go <laughs> buy one and they were sold out and i was like jesus man and it's it's funny because when you're when the irony is that when you're so close to somebody's like like because i i follow you for, for professional reasons of course because you do cool shit but primarily because i like you and you're my cool friend uh copyright 2021 uh hey, he said the thing. He, he said the thing but that being said it took me a minute to be like oh like these things sold out immediately um and that is that is impressive so how long does it take on average for stuff to sell out i recently i have about 70 something designs that i've done but recently because i want to prioritize the ones that are popular and the ones that i keep getting emails about there's like maybe a uh, maybe 20 something designs I'll rotate. And of those 20, there's, I think five that are kind of the top that if I do a release of those, I have to give people a heads up because I know they'll sell out immediately. And it's Cranston, the hamburger, it's uh grand hunt and wild hunt, which are the skeletons. And then there's recently we did a Dullahan, which is like the headless Irish folklore monster. And then there's uh what was it? Uh, I guess I mean, uh, there's a, a hammer toy that I make, uh, which is supposed to be like this Jap. It's a Japanese like hammer based on like an old folk story. It's like a good luck item. But any of those things, any of those like five items, <clears throat> when I put up, if if I put them up, I will literally get notifications from people being like, I'll, I'll say like the the show the the drop goes alive at noon. I'm getting mail at like eleven fifty to noon being like hey when's it gonna start when's it gonna start when's it gonna start and then i put it up and i it'll just get inundated my phone will not stop ringing oh uh, when i debuted those dogus the shakokitachi the big ones you're telling me uh, words that i'm pretending to know uh it's oh it's insane like those those particular toys are like they'll sell out immediately other stuff it'll sell out within the day or sell within a couple of hours wow. but yeah i just i i kind of have to make sure that i give everyone a heads up because the big issue in this industry is reselling of items like like any collection item like people mm -hmm. go to comic-con and buy those exclusives and they resell them for a bunch of money uh it's the same thing with this is that frustrating to buy you? them and resell them or hmm? is that frustrating to you or, or are you like kind of like yes. this is awesome it's frustrating uh to me it, it's cool because like oh people really it, i use it as a metric to know mm -hmm. i need to make more of this thing because clearly uh, I sell them for yeah, the demand is too <laughs> uh, high. Yeah. Like Cranston, yeah. Cranston is a $35, right? So they so, used to be 27 and then I had to increase the price because I had to outsource the production. Well, that being said, um, even if you like, that's a, that's a good enough price anyway. And it clearly works cause it's sold out. Um, but it's such a cool, what's the size? Is it the size of a burger? Yeah, it's literally like hamburger size. I had measured, I bought like a McDonald's hamburger here and just measured it. And it's like, uh, I'll add like two centimeters just to account for shrinking. And that should be the correct size. And was it? Yeah. Did you nail that? Yeah, pretty close. It's a, it's, it's a nicer size because it's like nice and firm. Yeah. And like actually like the patty isn't smushed and the bread's not smushed because it's a toy. How does but, it, uh, it, it's how they should look. How does it feel when something like that throw, sells out so fast? Like you, if maybe you didn't know, like what, like when, when you put Cranston up for the first time, 
Like how, what was the feeling like when some, when it sold out so quickly? It was like a validation because I made it because I really like that design. And I feel like it, they don't make enough merch of it. And also like people make parody things of everything and no one had parodied it. And no one had done a parody of it yet. And it's like, oh, I really like this character. Other people have to like this design. And it was really validating like, ah, yes, other people do like this design. So the McDonald's, you said it's like unlicensed in Japan or something? What so those characters themselves, uh, the Happy Meal gang, were never licensed here. So it's you... the only, yeah. So I'm good selling it here, and I can sell it internationally. But also, it's slightly different from the actual design. Mm -hmm. So it's in the states I can sell it under parody. Would you do the rest of that gang? Uh, the cup. I have the cup. He's going to be done. I think in September. And then I mean, I'm changing the way the fries look because I hate the fries from the original Happy Go Gang. Like the burger is really cute. The cup's really cute. The fries is essentially a human face on a bag of fries. It's like the hair is the fries. I want the fries. I'm going to make it so that fries kind of have like the eyes on them, almost like alien. Like So they're going to be for eyes. They're going to be for eyes. Oh, yes. See what I did there? Yes, they will. They're going to be for eyes for eyes it's just the old one is so horrifying you what if you did a chase of the horrifying version i would want to do it way more realistically uh there's actually this is kind of deep cuts uh my toy world thing there's a, a reoccurring element i have in a lot of my uh releases and that's uh the face of my friend alvin alvin Chu, foo or chew uh, foo. foo okay because you you sent me a bag with his face on yep. it <laughs> and you said like it says friend uh friend of the C celebrated friend alvin foo. <laughs> yes and i do i have that i bring that i bring that bag to the farmer's market oh that's awesome <laughs> but uh, i i try to hide him and as much stuff as i can get away with it if i were to do a chase of the fries it's going to be Alvin's face on that bag. That's pretty cool. It, it'll be haunting. He hates it. Then he'll be he Alvin. He'll so be much. Alvin food. Yep. It'll be his debut as a food product amongst the, uh, the toy world. Cause right now I think there's three other toys that are like part Alvin, but, uh, and he yeah, hates it. Would, I think and you fun. still do it. That's like low key bullying. I love it. Well, cause he, I've always wanted, he's a video game designer and he's a, a programmer as well. And I've always wanted him to like take the piss out of me in one of his projects, and he never did. He's like, so, I'm a. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a professional. I don't yeah. do that. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's mean. He got me once. He actually he had to do a, a fairly uh, big Japanese game. He had to localize it, and the texture packs for like, the character clothes. One of them is a really embarrassing uh, Facebook. Uh, photo of me is one of the one of the t-shirt textures oh that's awesome it's hidden in it's hidden in the game oh that's see that's pretty so we did do the thing yeah but it's really hard to get and it's like these things that bag with his name on it yeah like, i mean that's a pretty it, it, it's pretty aggressive um so now our best friends i'm actually in the office we share right now oh and he's a video game designer Yep, he's a programmer and a designer he does like contract work but he also works on his own games well that's pretty cool I want He's to awesome. That. I knew him from Boston. We we oh, met wow. at an anime con in Boston. Oh, what was that called? Uh, anime Boston. 
I don't know where they came up with the name. It's <laughs> yeah. clever though. Um, now, so if say somebody here like wants to get into vinyl toy making, like how long of a process is that? Because I, I feel like, do you have to like apprentice? Like, how do you do that? So if they want to just, if they're a, if their dream is to actually come here and start doing like all of the process, uh, it, it gets really hard because you need to have a source of a visa to actually be able to live here and do your own thing without having a sponsorship from another company. And because I, I am an independent company, we're an LLC, but we can't sponsor visas. So I couldn't like theoretically hire uh, staff from abroad. Well, then I don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah. My, I'm ruined. You, you, you turn off the camera. Yeah, I'm like, fuck the show. Interview's over. Jeff had a cool but friend. I, it's the only one that goes up under the Jeff has Jeff had friend. Yeah, Je- Jeff had a cool friend, and he was hoping to have a cool boss, but I guess not. But it's it's a nightmare, like the the stuff for visas, because regardless of what you do as an American, you need, and I'm almost positive this still is the the case. You need a four year degree and need to have like a sponsorship source to get the visa so that it's really hard uh, to actually basically do what i did if you want to make a design though my second job is actually i'm an agent so people that want to make designs in japanese vinyl i do their production for them they'll have a, a, a sculpt they'll send us a sculpt i'll do the wax prototyping uh send it out for electroplating and jointing, and then you have a mold that you can make the toys from. And it's the same toys, those old Godzilla toys from mm-hmm. the 60s and 70s and stuff. Uh, it's the same factories that make those. And it's the same process. It's the same molds. It's uh, the same everything. So it's like getting the Kirkland brand something. It's like it's the same thing. It's just being done <laughs> in, in like with a, a different bit, label. It's a bit better than the Kirkland brand. <laughs> um... I think that's really rude to Costco, actually. The Kirkland brand is great. And I will not I will not allow any Costco slander in this household. We got Costco here and they got my friend buys the the guy at the restaurant here buys uh, I think a Kirkland brand like tomato sauce or something. Well that's you know, come on. Don't do that. It's so weird seeing that label here. <laughs> yeah, I would say like I I got a um I got a <clears throat> Oh, I just choked on my own spit a little bit there. I'm a professional. Um, I got a Costco card specifically because my neighbor was telling me about how affordable protein powder was. It's the douchiest reason for me to. He was like, oh, I got this organ protein powder. It costs half as much at Costco as it does anywhere else. And so I was like, I'm going to go. And now I'm like low key obsessed with Costco. They're nice. The one here, uh, they have all the same food. All the food is imported from the States. So like the pizza's the same, uh, the big churros that are like the size of your forearm, those are the same. So did you know the story awesome. about how like they were, they ended up, they produced their own hot dogs now so they could keep the price at $1.50? Cause it was like a, it was like a loss leader or something, right? Yeah. It was like, a, it was like a thing that people like went for and, and they just, the guy that owned it just liked the idea that they had this thing that was $1.50 forever. That's rad as <laughs> I remember seeing that quote. I don't know how true it is, where he's like, if you increase the price of that, I will 
don't you? <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. I will beat you, or I will kill you. I love mm-hmm. that. Like that idea that a CEO is like, if you bump the price up this by a penny, I will tear your f-ing head off. I'm like, yeah, Costco guy. Yeah, because if anyone can afford to make that call, it's like, yeah, keep. It's the CEO, and like, keep the stuff cheap. Wasn't the Little Caesars guy really cool too? The Little Caesars guy is awesome. Yeah, he he used to do a thing where they used to have like a a, a mobile that drove around and gave pizza to people that were hungry, and you know his charity work. He like ended up paying Rosa Parks's um uh rent her rent or something quietly. Yeah. Like he didn't tell anybody he did that. There was no pop, no circumstance. He just did it. It's just so random. It's the Little Caesars guy. Meanwhile, we have like Bezos and that other douchebag like trying to go to space. I think the Little Caesars guy also owns two professional sports teams. He's like uh, very Detroit. Um, so in that regard, you know, I guess it, he seems pretty cool. I mean, there's it's one of those things where it's like there's no such thing as an ethical billionaire, but this guy's pretty all right. Mm-hmm. I guess it's them negotiating with uh, like morality. Yeah, yeah. It's like maybe I'll get into hell this way or heaven this way. Sorry, not happening. The fine balancing act of uh, deeds versus uh, how they got all that money. Yeah, I always every time someone's a Christian and they're rich, I'm always like, did you, did you not hear about the camel through the eye of the needle? You didn't hear that. It seems weird. It's it's mind blowing that there can be rich religious people of any type. Like it's all, a lot of it's really based in like, you're not supposed to have all this material stuff and you're not supposed to have all this money. And they're like, but I want it. So I don't know. I don't know what to do. So what do you have? What are you working on now? Like, what are the projects that you like? Do you take on one project at a time? And then when it's done, you move on. Or do you have like four or five things so that you don't get bored with one project? Right now, I'm focusing on within, I think it was maybe a year or two ago, we started doing actual licensed toys here uh, for Subaraya Productions, which is the company that owns Ultraman. And like my dream being a collector of these oh. Ultraman toys, I've always wanted to make them. And now, uh, through a company here, uh, actually right up the street from me, they gave me the license for it. So I've made three so far, and I'm currently sculpting uh, two more. And just kind of prepping them for releases. We have a, a release in uh, release in October and then release in November and then uh, I think December or the beginning of January. What are are they monsters? Just trying to get all that stuff ready. Uh, what what are yeah, they're they? all monsters? Oh, do you make so an, the ones that are released? Would you make an Ultraman or is that like you don't do that? You just make the monsters. I like the monsters because uh, a couple of reasons. The monsters are what got me into the series because they're weird. They're really bizarre. Yeah. But the uh, licenses for the monsters are infinitely easier to control. Like uh, for an sense, artist, yeah. you have a lot more freedom to how you make the character look. When it comes to Ultraman and it comes to the heroes, they're strict. You should get like it needs to look like Ultraman. You should get Inframan. You're, you're a, Inframan. Inframan. I have. I still have that on DVD. It's like the Korean Ultraman. And I've the, never even heard of it. If you ever watch the trailer, watch every take the take a minute to watch the trailer for Inframan on YouTube. I'm gonna write this down. And Inframan. There is a there is just a line where the guy just goes Thunderbolt fists, rocket feet, 
And that was like my, like I, it was either MySpace or Facebook. It was like my tagline when you'd go onto my page. It just said Thunderbolt Fists Rocket Feet. In Did anyone know what it was from? No, no. Everybody's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm like, a lot of things. Uh, nobody knows what Inframan was. You know, like that's silly. Um, okay, so so you're you're working on the monsters. You have some coming out. So is it like, how many projects at one time are you working on? I tend to not counting client stuff. I'll be working on about five or so projects at a time, going from sculpt to the wax part, getting those to the factory, and then focusing on painting releases, and then going back to sculpting another or working on another five. And I outsource some of the sculpting. Uh, I didn't sculpt those dogus, those uh, shakoki dachi. Those are done by an American artist uh, named Beth Graves, who's incredible. I love how like, you're telling me you're like, oh, the the sondaku. You're you're saying the, and I'm like, yeah. I, I don't speak Japanese. I don't know how <laughs> no, many no, times shakoki, I have to the, tell you this. <laughs> the little the shakoki tachi guys, the little like oh the, the, the little guys, the statues, yeah, the little guys. Those guys are sculpted by an American sculptor by hand, and a lot of the the people that see them here, I think they're 3D because they're so intricate for being so small. And you're like, now you know why. Um, She's insane. She's an incredible sculptor. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I, I've i met, let me tell you, when I was at Sideshow and we'd go into the sculpting room, I'd look at the way some of these people were doing their shit, I'd be like, I, my brain is melting just looking at this. Can't do it. Like, Dude. Those- it's so detailed and just so much attention to the littlest things. I can't do human forms too. It's wild to see the skill and the talent that people have. Like, you know, at Twitter had the art direct Dave, Igo, like the stuff he knows how to do. He, he teaches like ZBrush. He does ZBrush classes. Ooh, yeah. And the people that have taken his class are like, do you know who Adi Granov is? He's basically the guy that designed the Iron Man that we saw in the Iron Man movies. Like he really? did, he's the artist that did the Iron Man extremist run with Warren Ellis and all that stuff. He's like this big and like Olivia de Berardinis, like the painter, the super famous painter, Olivia, who was like the famous like Vargas style pinup painter who's like, mm. I think she's in her like early 70s, maybe. And he's teaching them how to do ZBrush. These like legendary. Oh, they're learning artists. ZBrush? Yeah. Apparently it's good for like modeling and stuff if you're doing so you don't have to. I don't know. Don't, maybe they just like to learn. That's awesome. Z brushes. I, I find it incredibly difficult because I am yeah. more of a hands-on type of person. Yeah. But just the people that can do Z brush amazingly, I get so jealous going on Twitter and seeing people posting like just turnarounds. Like, well, I was bored, so I modeled this thing from a comic I liked, and they would be reading. Like when Cycle Gorman came out here, a lot of people were making like three D versions of the suits. Yeah. And they're making them in like a, a couple of hours. And it's like, how did you do this? <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. To see that. And I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't think at Sideshow, there's ever really any physical modeling anymore. Oh, it's all like, 3D. Like they think they all do it. Um, they all, I think they all do it digitally now. I mean, mm-hmm. they are people that were sculptors, you know, that were doing it um, physically using clay and whatever. And then they just eventually shifted. It's kind of cool though. I, I wish I had that skill set. I mean, <laughs> you can learn. Days. Take one of Dave Igo's classes. <laughs> Tell him I sent you. Um, so I know we got to get going. Uh, you know, we we've just hit the ninety minute mark, and that's generally where I like to sort of stop that. So, um, 
we can go to your store at sciencepatrol.storeenvy.com and store envy just has the one e so it's s-t-o-r-e-n-v-y.com we can find you on instagram at science underscore patrols yeah science patrol was taken yeah now that's a that's an (laughs) ultraman reference too right yeah, it's the like slang term for the science uh, search party group, which are like the ones that usually Ultraman is a member of them. They're like the Earth Defense Force for those series. That's pretty cool. What else? What else can? Um, where should we go? What do we? Sh- what should we do? Honestly, Instagram is I think the the most maintained social media I have. I'll post about releases of upcoming shows, and then also uh, for when there's going to be uh, shop drops specifically. I try and use Instagram the most. I cross post almost everything on Twitter, but Twitter is mainly, I use it more for Japan than I do Instagram, but Instagram is definitely the best one. Hell yeah. Um, and so that's what we should do. We should follow you on Instagram at science underscore patrols. And then definitely link is in bio for your store, but y'all should check out his stuff because it's so cool. And uh, maybe you can get a Cranston sometime. Um, I promise there will be more stuff soon. I'm excited about that because I, I want one. Um, for uh, On my end, of course, you can follow me at Hey There Jeffro on social media. Uh, you can check out uh, if you are listening for free. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate that. If you want to get these episodes early without all those bleeps that you heard in this episode, check out patreon.com slash Jeff May. You can also check out Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Patreon. And of course, You Don't Even Like Sports, a sports podcast for people who don't like sports uh, uh, and the Unpopular Opinion uh, podcast, both available on the Unpops Network, as well as an episode of Conspiracy, the show that I just did with him about lizard people. Oh, Yeah, it's going to be pretty (laughs) cool. Um, Corey Privatera. Thank you so much for joining me from across the damn globe. Thank you for having me, dude. Uh, it was so much fun. I look for, I love, I love your account. I love seeing all the cool shit that you post. You're, you're a, a fun follow, as we like to say, and just a very cool friend. Thank you very much. Come you back. are a cool friend as well. Shut up! Don't you get out of here. Come back to the states. <laughs> I'll be back soon. in the states eventually. Yeah, get get back here. Come to Designer Con or something. All right, everybody. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, See you later. Bye. Artwork is created by Justin T. Brown, who can be found at Artness by Justin Brown on Instagram, as well as artnessbyjustinbrown.com. That dope music you heard is by Troy Nababon, available at Troy Nababon on Instagram, as well as at troynababon.com. Nababon is spelled N-A-B-A-B-A-N, and boy, does that shred. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next time.